Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Indiana Sports Now with Kent Sterling. It's Thursday, May 27th, 2021. We are brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Two words for you this afternoon, sedation, dentistry. The people at Today's Dentistry, if you've got a lot of dentistry that needs to be done, a lot of dental work, and you don't want to be there to do it, you want to sleep through it, sedation dentistry is the answer. 317-849-2900. Three three is the number. The Colts, they continue OTAs this afternoon. We had a chance to catch up with Quiddy Pay. He had a media availability. He was asked, Quiddy Pay, and you're going to see his smile, and what a great smile it is. I love this guy from the University of Michigan. I saw him play the other night against Indiana on the Big Ten Network. Best of Indiana football, right? But I watched for Quiddy Pay, and Quiddy Pay was really good. He was asked if it's dawned on him yet that football's his job. Yeah, it is like, like I'll wake up and be like, man, like I have no school, I have nothing to do but focus on football. It's fun now, <laughs> you know, just 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 to be able to focus on one thing. So yeah. And what's he learned about how he fits in this defense? Wherever coach needs me, wherever he needs me to move over to, I'll play that. But um, for me, just kind of playing right end, just kind of knowing my responsibility. A little different from college, because in college I had to really just learn. Um, the weak side, but now I have to know both weekend strong. So, yeah, just, just doing that. Does it matter to Quiddy Pay if he's a starter as a rookie? I think for me as a rookie, just trying to contribute as much as I can. Um, whatever job Coach Baker gives me, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. So, you know, I'm just going to come in every single day and give the team, give the defense everything I have just to give us the best chance to win in game. So, wherever that is, I'm just trying to um, contribute. He was asked, what stands out as the difference between rookie minicamp and these OTAs. Yeah, you know, in um, rookie minicamp, it was a little lonely just because I was like the only D lineman out here working. So, I mean, me and Chris and uh, Dio, but then once you got the whole defense uh, together now, you can tweet off the vets, kind of learn how they make the calls and learn how they play the game and kind of learn from the interior as far as like how you should rush and how you should play certain things. So uh, it's definitely good to, to be with the vets, kind of see how they work and just see how how uh, much of pros they are. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's real cool. And how's he going to use the eight weeks off to help him prepare for training camp? I think for me, the only thing I really have to do is just keep looking over and over my notes that I took um, over these couple weeks. Look over my notes, call Coach Baker. I was calling Coach Baker. Like, as soon as I got drafted, once I got that iPad, I was in my iPad looking at, you know, the plays and the calls and whatnot, taking notes, just trying to learn the defense as fast as I can so I can 
uh, try and help this defense out. So um, for me, like once I go away, like not completely check out, but you know, just make sure I'm uh, communicating with Coach Baker, just trying to make sure when I come back, I'll be on top of it. A lot of guys have personal trainers, personal position coaches. Does Quiddy Pay have one? Um, not really. I, uh, during the um, training cycle for the combine and whatnot, when I was down in Exos in Arizona, I was working with BT Jordan. So he's a real good D-line coach that I like a lot. So if anything, I may just go work with him with the time off that I have. And how important to Quiddy Pay were these last two weeks as he tries to figure out exactly what it means to be an NFL player. I think it's very important just because I've seen it in college as far as like the young guys not having that spring ball. When the season came around, they were very behind as far as learning the playbook and catching up and whatnot. So I feel like it's very important for us rookies to come in and do the OTAs, rookie minicamp and whatnot, just to learn the playbook faster because we all want to contribute to the team as much as we can. So yeah, I think that's that's good. That's Quiddy Pay, who is a captain at the University of Michigan. The Colts, they love drafting captains because they tend to be servant leaders, and the Colts love servant leadership, and rightly so. Quiddy Pay is going to have to figure out a way to be productive in his rookie year. Defensive end, edge rush, tends to be a place where you need to learn how to be productive. Quiddy Pay isn't going to have that luxury because Houston's gone, Autry's gone, you've got Buckner, you've got Stewart, you've got Ture, you've got Banigou. Quiddy Pay is going to have to be one of the guys who gets to opposing quarterbacks or the Colts are going to have a difficult time getting offenses off the field. That defensive backfield, that's not the strength of this roster. That defensive front, they're going to have to put pressure on opposing quarterbacks so that defensive backfield is not exposed. We'll see if Quiddy Pay can measure up and get that done. Let's talk about the Indianapolis 500. You know, I thought that the 500 was going to be sold out. 135,000 fans being allowed at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So I went to the IndianapolisMotorSpeedway.com website to make sure that there were no tickets available. Guess what I found? There are lots of tickets available. So I don't know how that's going to affect the blackout. I guess a lot of people don't want to sit around in the summer heat wearing masks to protect them and others, theoretically, from COVID-19. You know, it also causes heat problems. When you wear a mask, it's certainly uncomfortable. And sitting in those bleachers for hours on end during this race with a mask on is not going to be comfortable. And did you know this about the Colts? Evidently, Lucas Oil Stadium is one of two venues in the NFL right now still examining whether they should operate at full capacity for this upcoming NFL season. What the hell is the matter with us? What are we doing? I know this thing isn't over, but with over half the adults in the country being vaccinated, fully vaccinated, not just one shot, but both shots, what are we doing? I'm not saying it's over, but I think that things have changed. The science has changed, and the CDC has said the science has changed. I don't know why the state of Indiana and the city of Indianapolis and Marion County haven't kind of advanced with the advancements in science. I want to talk about basketball arenas, NBA, or, uh, college basketball arenas, the best in the country. Here are my rankings of the top eight in the country. Not surprisingly, three of them are in the state of Indiana, atop the list. Well, we'll go in reverse order. How about that? It builds the drama. This is what we do. Number eight, I got Freedom Hall. I know that Louisville plays at the Yum Center in downtown Louisville, but I grew up. I went to high school 
and went to a Freedom Hall again and again and again to see the University of Louisville with Wesley Cox and with Daryl Griffith and Bobby Turner and Roger Berkman and all of these guys. Jerry Eves, great basketball being played in that venue. I absolutely love it as a basketball venue. The Young Center is kind of like a cookie-cutter arena, and I don't dig it very much. i got to tell you the truth. I like Freedom Hall much better, even though it was kind of removed from downtown Louisville. I don't care. I like Freedom Hall. So that's my number eight college basketball venue. Number seven, Rupp Arena. Got to tell you the truth. I've never seen a Kentucky game at Rupp Arena, and I never planned to go to Rupp Arena to see a Kentucky game, but I dig the way the place is constructed. I saw a Who concert there in 1980, and I saw the Kentucky State High School Championships in, uh, in Lexington at Rupp Arena back in 2017 or 2018. And I thought it was a really cool building. It looks cool from the outside. I like Rupp Arena. There's a lot of history to Rupp Arena. So that's my number seven college basketball venue. Number six, the Palestra in Philadelphia. It's a bucket list item for me to go see a basketball game at the Palestra. It looks fantastic. I love that that thing exists. I love that it still hosts college basketball games. It's been in operation forever and ever. It's got the old smell from what I've heard because I've never been there. It's got great sight lines. It looks terrific on TV. I love the palestra. I want to see a game there. Number five, Hinkle Field House, up on 49th Street here in Indianapolis. Historic as hell. Uh, opened in the 1920s. Tony Hinkle, of course. Hinkle Field House. Tony Hinkle coached there for a long time. Brad Stevens coached there. Thad Mata, uh, Todd Licklider, Barry Collier, a lot of guys. Currently, Laval Jordan leads the Butler Bulldogs in the Big East, and I think it's just terrific. It used to be that Henkel Fieldhouse really didn't need to have the capacity it did to hold Butler fans. Then Butler got really good, and all of a sudden it was a hot ticket, and that place hops, especially during the games against Villanova, which I always attend. If you live in Indianapolis and enjoy college basketball and you don't go to the Butler-Villanova game at Henkel every single year, you are out of your mind. Uh, number four, Allen Fieldhouse. Never gone to see Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. I know they're kind of nutty, the people there. It seems like a great place, a great old barn. You know what? You got to put it on your list. If you're going to have a list of college basketball venues and Allen Fieldhouse sitting on it, the list isn't worth its weight in paper, right? So I've got Allen Fieldhouse on it, despite the fact that I hate Kansas basketball. I do not like Kansas fans who are haughty and arrogant for no apparent reason whatsoever. I'm never going there, but it's got to be on the list because the rules say it's got to be on the list. Number three, I got Mackey Arena. I think Mackey Arena is a great place. I love Purdue, the way they operate. Gene Cady was just cool in that place. My son went to basketball camp there. Matt Painter was a terrific kind of pass-the-baton guy, too, as the coach at Purdue. The fans are nutty. It's a great place to watch basketball. The sight lines are unbelievable. Uh, attendance, it, they pack that place for every game, and rightly so. Number two, I got Cameron Indoor. Again, you know what? You got to put it on a list, right? It seats like 5,000 people. I've been inside it. Never saw Duke play there. It is surprisingly small. It's like an Indiana high school kind of basketball gymnasium. Very, very cool place. 
again, I'm never going to see Duke play there because I Duke people just by definition are arrogant and haughty, and I don't dig arrogance. So I, I'm not dealing with Duke. And then number one, is it any surprise we would say Simon Scott Assembly Hall? Of course it's no surprise. And, and here's the reason why. Now they've updated it, right? They renovated Assembly Hall to the tune of $47 million, thanks to a gen- generous donation by Cindy Simon Scott. That's why the Simon Scott Assembly Hall. It still holds its kind of historic charm. And still when you're there, especially when you're on the court or low, and you look where Indiana comes onto the floor, you can still picture Bob Knight coming out of that locker room and kind of skulking onto the floor, looking like, by God, if we don't play basketball at a high level, my head's going to explode, and we're going to, after all the fans are gone, there are going to be workouts here, and we're going to practice until it's 2 in the morning because playing basketball the right way is that damn important. I love that about the place. I have so many memories there, and, and most of them kind of revolve around Bob Knight and either being afraid of Bob Knight as like I knew Dan Dockich, and so Dan got us good seats. And uh, so we were going to sit behind the bench. And before the game, we came down onto the floor, walked across, talked to Dan for a minute, and then sat on the bench with Dan's dad, right, Tom. And so we're talking to Tom, and it's about 20 minutes before the game, and I'm sitting pretty much where Bob Knight sat during the games. And all I could think was, my God almighty, he comes out of the locker room and sees me in his seat. I think he's going to grab me by the scruff of the neck and throw me into the street. So, um, you know, every uh, I used to go there, sneak into the balcony and watch practice. Everything about Assembly Hall is cool to me. And uh, there are so many traditions within that building and so many harken back to the days when Indiana was a championship program. And as we look ahead with Indiana basketball, hopefully it becomes a championship program again. Tomorrow morning, breakfast with Kent. I cannot wait to talk to you then. It's going to be phenomenal. We do it at 8 o'clock on Facebook Live, and then we do it immediately thereafter on YouTube. Wherever you consume this, please feel free to comment, feel free to like, subscribe, whatever you need to do to consume it. Let's go. Oh, by the way, the Pacers holding on to Kevin Pritchard, according to reports from the Indianapolis Stars, Jay Michael. He's going to be back. He has had meetings this week with Herb Simon. Herb has signed off on Kevin Pritchard returning, which is a good thing, ultimately, for the Indiana Pacers. They've had good, bad, and ugly with Kevin Pritchard. The trade of Paul George to Oklahoma City, a good thing, right? You got Victor Oladipo and Domas Sabonis back. Victor Oladipo's trade to Houston, also a good thing. He got Karis LeVert, right? The bad hiring Nate Bjorkren, at least so far, appears to be bad. This, a year where there were a lot of stressors on that organization and really a little bit of calm in terms of coaching would have been a good thing. They went and got a new guy, and the new guy didn't work out so well, at least in year one. Then the ugly drafting TJ Leaf. That was a terrible decision. Bad decision. I understood it at the time. But you look at the way John Collins or Jared Allen or O.G. Ananobi, even Thomas Bryant has been far more productive as an NBA player than T.J. Leaf. That was a mistake. That was ugly. Anyway, we'll talk to you tomorrow morning about all of this and so much more. Cubs swept the Pirates. Isn't that nice? Carb Day tomorrow, a special Carb Day edition of Breakfast with Kent. You have that to look forward to. I do, too.